following simulation is not intended for children. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the Continental. Now, welcome to the podcast of the real. And remember, you're breathtaking! Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And we got a lot of fun and excited things to talk about, but first thing I gotta do is ask you, Dude Two, how are you? Pretty great, actually. Uh, We're recording this on March 14th, 2021, to give you... Uh, a timeline as to when we do these things because we're, we're, we're always we're always in advance we're always in advance you might not i don't think you'll hear they'll hear this episode until april which is kind of wild it is yeah was it like april i don't even remember the day this uploads <laughs> maybe i'll, 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 I'll have a, uh, a thing saying when we play this one but you know it, it actually came up as an issue because just recently avatar reclaimed the title of biggest movie of all time from Avengers Endgame, and we just did an episode, actually a month ago, but this week we're uploading an episode, this week that we're recording this, uploading an episode about those two movies. (laughs) It was, you know, the whole whole thing was just like the weirdest coincidence, because we were like, wouldn't it just be fun to talk about like the two biggest movies, like find something to like talk about them? Um, we We like both of them. We do. We like both of them. And so it just felt like that was a good uh, excuse to talk about both of them. And, uh, you know, all that stuff. But then uh, they had um, announced that Avatar was getting re-released in China. And, and like, the, the distance between Avatar or Avengers, I mean, being number one versus Avatar was pretty short, wasn't it? Very slim. Like previously like when like the last couple times when a movie eclipsed another movie for biggest of all time it was by like a wide margin like titanic yeah. more than it was like double jurassic park's gross because jurassic park at that time was the biggest movie and then when avatar was the biggest um it was by almost a billion dollars more yeah. than titanic which is kind of wild so it, you know, it just goes to, it, it, and it was crazy that Avengers, this movie that had all this hype behind it, probably everybody saw it, basically, you know, almost everybody. I remember, I remember people, at least at my work, and just some friends were like, we need to see Avengers more so it could beat Avatar and be the biggest movie of all time. And then it happened, and I was like, there was a little bit of like, like, okay, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a good movie. It's, you know, it deserved the the money that it got and all that stuff. But there was always that weird feeling of like, there wasn't an original movie number one anymore. Not that that yeah. maybe matters to everybody, but it's just like, it was kind of nice. <laughs> like, and listen, you got it. Like, I know James Cameron, not everybody loves James Cameron, but you got to give it to James Cameron. Like this guy, he took, he took the title of number one movie twice, made one of the best sequels, made two of the best sequels ever okay yeah and has reclaimed the top box office pr- has had that top box office prize with the same movie 
twice. How many times? How many th- people? How many times can you really say that? That's kind of wild, honestly. It's insane. It's insane. And so uh, we so we recorded our episode, and then just so much time had passed, and then the, all this happened. So now we're like, shit. <laughs> we could have we could have had like a timely conversation. Like, remember when when Avengers was the big one? But no. Nah. So I so you'll probably listen to that. And you'll just be like, "Did they not know the news?" <laughs> well, I will. I will say, re- regardless of our of our you know of the status of that box office, our opinions on those movies basically still stand. Yeah. Um. You know, and I think that's the important thing. We'll definitely mention have like a little brief blip, uh, <laughs> blip like in <laughs> Endgame, like <laughs> like like a brief thing talking about um you know the change. And this could change again, is yeah. is the thing. But with Avatar, what's so crazy is sometimes movie re-releases can go either way. Like sometimes they can be really huge. Like I remember that Lion King 3D re-release was pretty big when mm-hmm. it came out. And then sometimes they're not so big. Like when Forrest Gump was re-released in IMAX, and that just kind of didn't do very well. In fact, some of you are probably going, "Wait, they re-released Forrest Gump at IMAX?" And they did. That was a thing. Yeah. People, people make weird choices. <laughs> people make weird. People make weird choices. Um, but uh, other than that, just from my personal life standpoint, so one of my big dilemmas. Now, this this is like I said, I'm recording this March March 14th. So we're mm-hmm. about two weeks away from Godzilla versus Kong. I've been mm-hmm. trying to figure out a way to see this movie with one of my best friends, um, Doctor Feehan, who we had yes. on on the show not that long ago. And, uh, you know, because we're both huge monster fans, obviously. And we're trying to figure out a way to see this movie together. The good news is we'll be vaccinated by the point the movie comes out. But I don't feel comfortable going into a movie theater with the rest of the general public. I don't blame you. And it's expensive. It's expensive because if you want a private showing for a new movie, $250 plus tax. Mm-hmm. Um, at AMC, I don't. Is that the going rate at Cinemark? Most, or at my local theater. Um, typically, it's like if you just want to see a private screening, it's like a hundred bucks. But I think it's more if you want to see a new movie at a private screening. So that makes sense. I'm not particular what the price is, but that's that that sounds about right. Yeah, and you could have like twenty people, but the problem is I don't know twenty people that I would want to bring to the screening that would also be vaccinated. So it's kind of a, a tricky thing. I'm like, geez, what do I do? And it's like, I, I was thinking about, Hey, you know, it's the end of, end of March, you know, end of March, almost into April. Maybe I'll help bring the TV outside, but watching the t- movie on a 32 inch TV seems anticlimactic. You know, this is true. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I, I committed, and my mom sort of put this idea in my head and you sort of did as well in like a sort of roundabout way. Because um, of just something that I did last summer. Which yes. I, didn't I, I think I talked about it on here, didn't I? Pretty, you might. I had to have. You, you might. We, I had I, I don't, to have. Listen, I don't, I don't listen to the episodes. <laughs> You're not a fan of this show. No. <laughs> I, I, I am the number one, like, not fan, basically. I'm like, I'm the anti-Allison Cola or anti-Brock from Idaho, basically. Like, I hate this show. I, I'm only on it because I feel I'm obligated to be here. I helped. I helped contribute to the concept of the show, and that's why I'm on here. I cursed myself. <laughs> But to to go off of what I was saying, like I I invested in getting a portable uh, projector 
Oh, yeah. Uh, portable projector. Now, I'm just going to preface by saying it's nothing because there are some projectors that are very high end and like thousands yes. of dollars. You know, I got mine for about 60 something bucks. I, I, you know, and I just want the novelty of having just a really huge blown up image, right? Just because seeing something on a screen, there's just something special about seeing an image projected as opposed to as cool as my 4K TV is. It's just, it's seeing, an, it's still seeing it on a TV, yeah. you know? Um, so I got a, my, my projector, my, my hundred inch screen. And I also got myself a set of really nice, really pretty nice speakers that connect with my projector. And my original plan was to put this, um, put this projector in my garage. And surprisingly enough with like a couple adjustments that I have to make, cause we got a lot of stuff in storage for winter and all that. But outside of that, it's it's set. I mean, there's no windows in my garage, so it's pretty dark. So you can see the picture pretty clearly. I was very impressed with the results, considering the price that I paid for this. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it to be that good. Again, I it's not like it's not like it looks like crystal clear 1080p. But when I watch a lot of movies on there, it looks pretty good. Like I watched. I was saying this to you. I watched uh, Ghost Dog. Ghost uh, which Dog, is a, which is a movie I I discovered recently. Great movie. And uh, I watched it on my screen, and it looked pretty fantastic, honestly. For you know, it, it like, and I know they did like a 4K restoration of it, and obviously, you, you know, you could count the pixels on the screen. What, whatever, it still looked pretty good to my eye. I watched, um, I watched Superman on there, and I've watched clips of like different movies um, on the TV, and, and it's it's pretty good. And I just, I actually just changed the speaker settings to movie, so they're much louder now. And oh, yeah. like the destruction of Krypton when I was watching Superman sounded pretty great with like with a, the almost almost like a surround sound kind of feeling um, to it. So I, I think we found our solution without having to drop two hundred fifty dollars for a one time screening. S- significantly made, cheaper. Significant. Well, this is just an oh, this is a I, I paid probably uh, probably what would have been around that price for this setup. But this setup I know is going to last me a while. And I can yeah. use this for other things. Like if I have like a party or something, you know, in the in the future where we're, things are relatively okay. And and you suddenly develop an interest in partying. It, yeah, I'm, I was thinking more like <laughs> <laughs> the only real parties I have are like my, my family. Or like if I ever had like friends over and we played like Super Smash Brothers on like on like a giant screen. Like that's just that, that that's idea just is just so appealing. Yeah. But that's that's really the main thing that's been going on with me. Uh, how are you doing? Um, you know, I was thinking about this because this is always like the weirdest question. I like at least like within the last year because it's like, how are you? Like, well, <laughs> I'm doing my best, <laughs> and it's just it's just sort of it's like I've always it's always just like you know been kind of an awkward thing even before. Just like you know, I'm fine, you know, but it's just like a traditional greeting, whatever. But these days, it's just always been a weird thing to answer. That being said, um, at least one of the few times I actually don't feel so bad because, you know, there's lots changing, stuff going on in the world, vaccines are out there. My parents actually have their vaccine scheduled uh, next weekend. So by the time this episode is up, they will hopefully have been fully vaccinated. Woohoo! Um, so that's exciting. 
Um, I, I can't speak for myself because I'm, I'm not within the demographic just yet, but uh, the fact that they're out there and the fact that, you know, family members and friends and people I know are getting the vaccine is exciting. And also just the weather being nice, which that was one of my favorite things about last year is how nice it was all summer. Yeah. And even though like we had to be distant and be inside, like I, it was just nice to go outside and it was nice to you know do stuff. And, you know, getting the projector that I got last summer was a lot of fun because that was sort of my way of having that, as close to as I can of having that sort of movie theater experience, like you were saying, um, uh, you know, taking uh, I very uh, very low low grade setup of as because you got stands, which was really nice. I had to uh, we actually made a stand out of PVC pipe and then zip tied the screen to the PVC pipe and then uh, propped up the <laughs> the projector on a bunch of like uh, board games just to like angle it perfectly to like to get right at the screen but it was still a lot of fun and it was like it was like going to the drive-in we watched Mulan we watched uh Independence Day Jurassic Park um it's just it was just a lot of fun to to do that so it's just I don't know it's it's nice to be back in a more sort of positive mindset versus how it's typically been not to say that there isn't still some level of anxiety or some level of you know worry or anything because that's all still very much there not that it ever wasn't there but uh at least now there's there's like a nice sense of calm and hope you know what i mean it's like in in golf metaphor terms and i'm stealing this from robin williams a little bit (laughs) um there is a flag at the end of the golf course for the final hole and i can see it and that's nice. Not that I ever play golf, but you know, like I said, I think it's from a Robin Williams golf joke. Well, good good thing we're not starting a golf podcast, folks. We're not going to branch <laughs> out that far. I mean, no, because then yeah. we would just we would have to talk like this. We're on the third. We're <laughs> golf clap. Yeah, golf, golf clap. Oh no, the ball fell on the lot. The ball fell on the lake. Uh, they're gonna have to get another one. <laughs> like 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 basically all all I know about golf amounts to I know who Tiger Woods is or like Bubba Watson or like I've seen Tin Cup does that count or uh it's got uh, Kevin Costner Ar- Arnold was Arnold Palmer a golfer right right he has the ice the iced tea like the drink you know you know hey <laughs> um but no I've uh, it's it's Again, I'm start. I guess I'm starting to feel better, which is nice. That's good. Um, so I'm happy about that. Even if I, I I sound very like nah, but I'm also like slightly waking up. But <laughs> it's just it's nice to feel better about things. That being said, I did do something recently that sucked horribly. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Uh, for a second, it, it, I, I was trying to think about it because you, you were so positive, and I'm like, "Oh wait, you saw that movie, <laughs> and you haven't seen it yet, so like, you don't know the extent of just how I, awful oh, I it don't. is." I just been seeing people <laughs> review it, and I'm just like, "Oh man, good thing I don't have Apple Plus." Woo-hoo! So okay, so by now it will have probably been out for a while, but I watched Cherry. Which is, it's it's one of those, okay, 
so there's a lot of filmmakers that after making some like big franchise movie, they'll go and make something more personal, but they'll have that like blockbuster knowledge and take it with them. Or like, you know, like famously Christopher Nolan between each of his Dark Knight movies would make something more for himself and then move on to make a Dark Knight movie. Like you can argue Jojo Rabbit was sort of like Taika Waititi going off of the his MCU movie and doing something more for himself kind of thing. It's not to say that that's like every movie that a director makes after making a franchise movie is that, but it's kind of that ballpark. Um, so it, it stands to reason that the Russo brothers, who make four huge Marvel movies who, that make billions of dollars, would make something more personal, even filming it in their hometown of Cleveland. Um, it just sucks that it's terrible. <laughs> like, like, it's just like... Ima okay, this is how I've been describing it to people when I talk about it. <laughs> so imagine you're in a film class, right? And you're watching a, f like, early year film class. And you're watching a fellow student's project. And it's not the best thing ever. Um, like, they, they ripped off a bunch of other directors. You know, they, they made a lot of choices that only really amounted to, this looks cool, let's put it in the movie. Uh, and it, it just came out way too long, but they're still, they're still learning as, as, as are you. And so, you know, you say, you know, you put your work in, you did a good job. Congratulations. Yada, yada, yada. You know, you, you made something that's pretty cool. Now take away the student beginner part and put in the biggest like filmmakers of all time, at least at that point and have them do the exact same thing. And how do you feel? <laughs> It's, it's horrible. Probably one of the worst parts is, so we talk about bad voiceover narration sometimes with like Harrison Ford in Blade Runner being like sort of top tier, like bad narration. Now imagine hearing Tom Holland say, my friend picked me up and took me to the bank so I can take care of a situation I was in. And then actually see him get into a car as he's saying this and be driven to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm looking your, at your you face. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably one of the worst movies I've seen in a while. If I'm being, I might be like building that up too much, but like it, it, it's a stinker. I, I believe it. It was, it was never one that I was like that overly excited about. And admittedly, uh, I guess, folks, if you saw Cherry, please let <laughs> us know your thoughts. And please I'm so do. sorry. And uh, yeah, yeah. I I'm saying this if you've already seen Cherry. We do not endorse you going to see Cherry. That's Please your don't. choice. You can do Richard what you says, want, but I'm advising you, you do not. Yeah, you yeah, no, no, don't, don't. <laughs> well, let's Wait, talk about some better movies. I'm done talking about Cherry. Yeah. So this week we got a pair of way better movies. I would assume than way, Cherry. way <laughs> better movies. Goodness gracious, they're better movies. Uh, the common theme for this week is Keanu Reeves. And who doesn't like Keanu Reeves? I mean, he's just great. Now, Keanu has become, like, like internet culture's, like, wholesome, wholesome action movie avatar. Just a generally sweet dude who can also kick your ass. Like... You know, good stuff. All good stuff. And we decided to, you know, we talked about Bill and Ted earlier, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, much earlier did we did we talk about any other of his movies or just that one we talked about dracula that's right oh i'm so sorry keanu 
<laughs> we do like, love you. <laughs> at, off the top of my head, those are the only ones that we've talked about. But today is a whole Keanu episode, and what better way to start this episode than with the 1999 groundbreaking, highly influential, and highly parodied film, The Matrix. Ah, Richard has been parodied too many times. <laughs> he was trying to do bullet time for those of you. Well, obviously you can't see. This is not a visual pot. Richard, stop. That is frustrating. <laughs> oh, does this bother you? Like when you woo at me? You're just a scared baby. This is just annoying. You're just like a brat who is crying. Stop it. <laughs> Man, like I'm gonna be editing out a lot of <laughs> this episode. Yeah, just that whole part you just did. You can get rid of that one. I'll just be like, <laughs> the Matrix. And we get into our thoughts. No. <laughs> Funny enough, the Matrix. Like people talk about cinematic blind spots, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know you've had this before. Be- before you met me, you and I don't think you you had never seen Citizen Kane. Never. And there's a couple other classic movies that I've shown you that you had never seen. The true. Matrix for me, outside of seeing clips and seeing it play on TV maybe once, was one of those movies I had never fully sat down to watch. Which, on one hand, was surprising, but on another hand, I'm I guess I'm not as like shocked by that. Is that weird? No. It's it's like not that I don't think you wouldn't be interested in a movie like that, but I imagined maybe it just was like one of those movies that maybe you heard about a lot and you just never got around to it. Maybe. Like I had, yeah. Like I, 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 I mean, like that, that was the, the biggest thing for me was like, this movie has been parodied to death and referenced right, to yeah. death in other films. Like I think about the scene in Shrek where Fiona, Fiona mm-hmm. is like, you know, beating up people and they and do the, like she, the, the, she does the Trinity thing. Yes. Yeah. When she fights, uh, was it, um, it wasn't the Merry Men, was it? Was it the Merry Man? I don't remember Shrek as well as I should. <laughs> uh, b- 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 it might have been. Uh, or it was like but, Knights or something. Yeah, she was beating up people and very much like th- that the Matrix, you know. Yeah. Or yeah. or just like hear- hearing some of the quotes like "I know kung, f- I know kung fu," or mm. y- you know, or, or how this- often bullet time, the bullet time thing especially was parodied a lot by so many people. I just remember, I even remember like when I saw a scary movie for the first time, which is a whole like parody thing and started off a whole unfortunate trend, if I'm being honest. But um, I remember like there was a scene when uh, the the quote unquote the ghost faced character and uh, uh, Anna Faris's character uh, started fighting, and she like did like the Trinity like you know just like like frozen in midair leap thing uh, that they did in the Matrix. So. It was. It's definitely one of those movies that has been like parodied a lot. Yeah. So for me, it was it was a very interesting experience seeing this because I because I knew a lot of people who were very much into the Matrix and they they were allowed to watch it as kids or whatever, and people like just would never stop t- not talking about this movie. I have an interesting story in that relation in, in relation to that that you know kids were allowed to watch because this is you gotta remember the Matrix is an R-rated movie, which I don't know how many people actually think about this because I remember when I was young and uh, 
when the Matrix came out, I remember my my neighbors who were who were pretty religious family, um, and obviously that meant you know the family can only watch certain things versus other things, you know, and uh, I was surprised to learn that they were allowed to watch the Matrix, and when I told them i was like you know it's it's sort of weird that you guys are allowed to watch the matrix you're like why is that I'm like well first off it's an r-rated movie and i'm surprised your your parents let you watch an r-rated movie and then we got into this he- massive sort of heated debate that never ended where they were constantly trying to prove me wrong that it was actually a pg-13 movie which it's it's actually kind of funny because there are like there are parts where i'm like yeah that's like that's like R. I could see that being R rated, but it didn't strike me as like because there's it's some, a soft R. It's it's a soft R. I would say yeah yeah. So I do agree with that. It's just there's but there's still like a lot about it that surprises me that you know my friend's family would just let them watch this like R rated movie. Just like there's obviously that's the first thing you see is like oh it's an R rated movie. Oh my kids can't watch this. But so many kids had seen The Matrix, which is just crazy. Maybe they thought it was rated R, as in, like, only pirates could see it, but they just thought it was silly, so. You can put a rating in there if you want. (laughs) No, I got it. I got it. (laughs) Listen, we might might have younger listeners who might not appreciate that joke. And that's because they're not allowed to see R-rated movies. And if you're not allowed to see R-rated movies, you're not allowed to listen to this podcast. So, there's Yes, this is true. If If you're, like, 10 years old and you're listening to this... What are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> this is not for you. Um, But, yeah. It, so, w- w- with that in mind, it was like one of those things where I was, I, knew, I was like expecting bullet time. People to mm-hmm. say philosophy stuff. Kung fu. Um, people wearing sunglasses looking pretty cool. And, and what did you get? I got that. <laughs> um, of, like... I, I got that, and I, I I don't. It was it was very, it was a very strange experience because it's like one of those movies where like you feel like you've seen like yeah osmosis, you know yeah, and to actually like, see it was strange. Like it that happens to me a lot. Just hearing about all these different movies and then even seeing clips. That's sort of like how it felt when I first watched Star Wars because Star Wars is one of those movies that you feel like you've seen because you know so much about it yet. You know, like I like before seeing the movie, I knew Luke and Vader related were related. I knew the Death Star blew up. I knew uh, what the Millennium Falcon was. You know, I knew all this like little weird like trivial details, but I had still never seen any of the movies, and so it was just it was really weird experience to actually sit down and go, okay, especially like when you hear things misquoted. Or done in a different way, so that's how you picture it's going to be in the movie, and then it's not, and you're like, "What?" Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's just kind of, it's just like you step back a second. But so you're saying for this one, because in that sort of similar fashion, it was, it was sort of a weird experience because again, you felt like you'd seen it, but it was, it was still a new experience. And you're like, "Huh?" Yeah, because I'm like, I knew, I knew, I, th- I knew that, like, oh, like. Uh, Keanu's character, uh, you know, is is Neo, and he turns out to be the savior, and and you have like oh, Mister Anderson, blah blah blah, and then, and then Morpheus, welcome to the desert 
of the real. And then watching this movie, it's more like, welcome to the desert of the memes, basically. Because <laughs> it's like, what if I told you? And there's always all those like red pill, blue pill memes. Mm-hmm. Which, and again, I guess it was like, I I was I guess I was what I was expecting, and I wasn't disappointed by that by this movie. It was basically right. what I expected it to be, and I enjoyed it. But I was I, I I mean, there's action, but I was expecting more of the stuff like that happens like in the third act of the movie, like right ramped up because that's that's honestly how the sequels are structured. So like the sequels have like fight scene, fight scene, complicated philosophical conversation. Fight scene, fight scene, fight scene, <laughs> and a lot more of this movie is dedicated in a lot of like ways, like Star Wars, where you're trying to you're trying to build up that that lore, that inter- mm-hmm. the internal logic of this new you know crazy world. Which, in case you need some sort of quick refresher, this is what the Matrix is, best of my knowledge, from just watching it and you know growing up with the Matrix. So the Matrix is essentially a virtual reality simulation to trick human beings into thinking that they're living normal everyday lives when in actuality they're living in the future uh being used as batteries so that machines can continue to exist (laughs) it's a lot it's very complicated but that's essentially the gist of it and so there are some humans that were able to escape the matrix and live in this re- the true reality and so there a lot of these people decide to try and go into the matrix and find other people and try to rescue them from just being slaves to the machine um and there's specific the the specific thing uh for morpheus who's played by Lawrence fishburne is there's a prophecy that essentially is it is sort of like christian like jesus kind of allegory stuff um where but it's also like that kind of typical fantasy science fiction ballpark of like the one which is kind of a common trope in a lot of these like trilogy series again because of jesus because of jesus morpheus is trying to find quote-unquote the one uh who will save all of humanity from you know enslavement of robots and machines and you know all that stuff and so he finds Keanu Reeves, who in uh, the Matrix world, he thinks he's some guy named Thomas Anderson, but he's actually called Neo. And he's like a hacker and whatnot. And so as the movie progresses, with like especially the first two acts, is mostly just him learning about the truth of his entire existence. It's that he's actually... Like, I still think one of the, like, craziest scenes is when he actually first gets out of the Matrix and, like, he's completely naked and bald and, like, he has no hair on him and he's got, like, all these tubes and and connections. It's and... literally, like, a rebirth, basically. Yeah, it, exactly. It's exactly like a rebirth. Like, that, that scene when he's getting the acupuncture and he's got all the needles on him and and just that quick moment where he goes... Why do my eyes hurt? And then Morpheus just goes, "You never used them before." It's I, like you, your world's got to be rocked just to hear you've never actually moved any muscle in your body. And I also that also kind of is like a double thing where it's like I imagine if you were somebody who was young watching this movie, or like if you're a young film student or like a, a young person, you he- heard somebody say that in a movie, you're like, "Whoa, that's like the most profound thing 
I have ever seen in a movie that I probably would have watched. Exactly. Which it's like, I could probably think about like a lot of friends who are above uh, mine that are like, man, that's so deep. And it's like, oh my God. And it's like, like for me, it's like, I've heard people like say this stuff. Like <laughs> it, it, and I'm not trying to downplay their experience. It's just kind of a funny, like juxtaposition. But also I feel like for you, you probably had all like the, the, the buildup and the conversation and then you actually saw the movie versus like everyone else who saw the movie first, then partook in the conversations. Right. Sure. So that is, that is a really interesting juxtaposition though. Uh, <laughs> and, but like the whole, like this movie essentially spawned this constant idea that's lasted to this day that what if our reality isn't the real reality? Like, what if this is the matrix? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. Like, gee, man. <laughs> like, I mean, it could just be a movie, but, you know, that's my theory. The action in this movie is pretty great. I mean, it's ground. That's it's, that's one of, like, the big selling points, too, is, like, the action scenes. It, it, it's pretty nuts. You know, I, I like, like, visual, and especially back, like, if you watch this in, like, 1999, seeing this in a theater you're probably like just oh my god like just seeing the stuff that they're doing i feel like to this movie especially along with um uh i think of the lightsaber battles in the the prequel trilogy for star wars how it sort of spawned this desire to do more choreographed like sort of like long take action sequences right yeah and so, like, that was a big thing. I remember, like, kids, like, I talked about this when we talked about Star Wars, kids in the hallway running around with lightsabers trying to, like, fight each other. Within the mix of that, that you know, rambunctiousness was also them, like, running on walls pretending they were Neo with a lightsaber. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like, again, it's an R-rated movie. Probably shouldn't have watched it, but they did. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... But no, like that was that was a big thing for a lot of, for especially kids, because it's just like it's super exciting. We're seeing this incredibly choreographed like fight scene, but they're also like st in midair and they're like doing flips and kicks and and it's it was just really like kind of thrilling. It's still thrilling to watch to this day. Yeah, that that is it's it's definitely definitely exciting. Did you have a favorite fight scene? I'm just curious. I liked the training stuff when they were doing. Like in the dojo, like in the dojo, that that was a lot of fun, and you could clearly tell, like, like the the inf like the influence that like Hong Kong, like mar like martial arts cinema had mm -hmm. on the Wachowskis when they were when they were making this movie, and just like seeing like all the stuff like sort of flying around and doing all sorts of crazy moves, and just the way the way the action is presented. I was thinking about like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I was gonna say, didn't that come out around the same time? It came out like a little later. I think it came yeah. out a little after the Matrix. But like there, there's seen like when you, when we when you eventually watch. Yeah. Did you ever see Crouching Tiger? I've seen like the clips, like them on the tree branches and stuff. There, there's stuff like that, but also I think there's one scene where they're like they're jumping or hopping on buildings. You know, like if that was made now, I feel like you would hear like they're like 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 loud thuds or or something like they're right. like very graceful. And you you're all you almost are aware that's like wait a minute they're like one like false move away from like just hanging on a wire and like flying <laughs> off camera or, yeah. or something and that was something, like some of, some of what I got from the Matrix a little bit. 
it's almost like dancing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it just calls back to to Batman Begins and that scene when Liam Neeson's like, this is not a dance! That like beats Christian beats up Christian Bale, so it's like it's like clearly someone went okay. We need to change from this choreographed nonsense to like different fighting, but I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but no, there's there's something sort of like exciting, especially the way it's shot. Because again, long shots, wide. You see Lawrence Fishburne, you see Keanu Reeves. They're doing the stunts. They're in the scene. It's it's just it's so much fun when when you when you get uh, action scenes like that. It's it's definitely one of the things that you know you remember the most about the movie. But like you were saying earlier, it's funny that again a lot of this movie is mostly just building up the world, whereas like the last act is like one giant action scene strung together. Mm-hmm. So was that was that the most surprising thing for you? I think that was because again, I, I feel like my knowledge was like assuming that it was like the sequels, yeah. Which that that was a definitely a false assumption on my part, but it, it, it's because like, like I don't know that that was just what what I had thought. Um, one of the other things I, I I think is just really hysterical. I just want to bring up is like the red pill blue pill thing. Right, which is which is a huge thing right now. It's huge. It's huge, and it's typically like you'll see in like like right wing like like as a right wing ideology or some people that I know want to go off the grid or whatever. And this movie was directed by trans women, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the first person to point this out. It's just funny. It, it's yeah, no, it's funny. Um... <laughs> And that that idea is still is there too for 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 like for trans people as well. I'm not yeah. trans or anything, but well, like, no, because even like um, the Wachowski said much you now much later on, like I think more recently that the Matrix movies in a lot of ways are about being trans and transitioning, and you know finding the truth about yourself, right? Which you know is is a very good message, very important message, and so but. It is it is funny to think that, you know, that one concept of like the red pill blue pill thing is like being like coveted by right wing like, you know, people online. It's just it's it's a bit it's a bit awkward. <laughs> it's Yeah. Mm. Oh man. But I, I think we also have to talk about some of the actors in the, in this oh, movie. Oh, of course. Like there's like you got um Carrie Ann Moss as well as Lawrence Fishburne, um Hugo Weaving. Uh but of course, you know, you got you always got to start with you know who we're talking about this whole episode. You got to talk about Keanu. Yeah, let, let's talk about Keanu a bit. Let's actually start about. Let's actually start with the main character this time. <laughs> well, because sometimes, and I feel like this movie, this movie is no exception. And so many movies, the supporting characters are always so are so interesting in a lot of things. Oh yeah, I was actually. This is not a ding on Keanu. This is not a ding on who I'm about to compare it to, but it made me think of. Jake Sully from Avatar a little bit. Are you sure it's not a ding? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was, I'm just kidding. Again, he's, he's this guy being introduced to this wild world that the reality that he knew is not there. Like It's <laughs> this whole other thing. And, you, you know, you have all these like other colorful characters like you have Morpheus, you have the supporting, like, ragtag group of, like, rebels that they sort of have. You have, who, who's the guy, like, he, he was sort of like the Judas, continuing off of, like, the Bible stuff. Joey Pants? 
Joey Pants. Thank you. Um, he was Cipher was his character's name. Cipher, like there are all these like weird, like weird, like weird looking people, and like, not weird looking people, like, like different people in this cast. Mm-hmm. And then you have Neo. And then you have Neo. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, yeah. And, you know, that's like a lot. There's a lot of the side characters are a lot more eccentric and interesting. And then, and then you have Keanu Reeves just going, "Whoa!" And there's there's no problem with that. No, there isn't. Like like I said, it helps. It helps because you're somebody who's trying to be introduced to this, introduced to this world of the Matrix. You're just as new to this as your main character. A la Neo is sort of the avatar yeah for us yeah and that that's yeah. a lot of movies but i feel like it's especially true for matrix and <laughs> avatar <laughs> avatar you mean the number one movie of all time the number one movie <laughs> Woo! yeah can i just say the joey pants character if this was made today that character would be played by bill burr just saying yeah oh my god you know what yeah <laughs> yeah, and then and no, no, no. See, it would be played by Bill Burr, and then he would go on his podcast and make fun of it. Be like, "Yeah, I got a paycheck, whatever." <laughs> like he, sometimes he hops on Joe Rogan, and be like, "I don't know, Joe. I was in this movie, the the freaking Matrix. What? <laughs> <laughs> like there was like fl- I I thought there was just gonna be flying and jumping around and stuff, but you know what? They gave me money. I was okay with that. I got paid to go to <laughs> Philosophy One Hundred and One. I'm good." <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! No, that's a good. That's a really good point, though. But um, <laughs> on that note, though, the Joey Pants character is actually interesting because it does bring in that idea of like, because there's so many people that like on the ship, the Nebuchadnezzar, which is our our central like ship that we're on with all these characters. All these people have now, for the most part learned the truth of everything save for like one character who was born in like that actual reality so he doesn't have any of the plugs on him or anything which is which is such a surreal image in its own right just because you know like when you see neo and he's got like that jack on like that port or whatever on on the back of his neck or like all the different spots where there there was like cables plugged in because he was like in an incubator basically it's really cool that there's a character like an antagonistic character who is completely rejecting this entire existence. He's like, I don't want to remember anything. I want to just be back in the matrix. I don't care if I'm a battery. I just want normal again. It sort of feels relevant to like these days with like, you know, the early on in the pandemic, how, how often people are like, I hate this. I don't want to have to wear masks anymore. I just want to go back to how things were. And, you know, a lot of those people, too, are, like, people that don't like wearing masks and go to places without them on and just cause problems. Yeah, that's a good point. Again, it's another one of those situations where, like, an older movie feels relevant again in a different way. Same thing with, like, the, you know, the more, like, like again, the, the trans aspect, which maybe we didn't even think of back then. It was just like, oh, what if the reality that we live in isn't real? But now it's like... You know, finding the truth about yourself, it's a good its a good uh, metaphor for that. So, this movie's deep, y'all. <laughs> my, 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 other, my other thing I was going to ask you is, um, what was it, about the Wachowskis. Um, have you seen, what, what other films have you seen from them 
Oh man, dude, I was like for for a hot second, I was like really into the Wachowskis because obviously I really liked the Matrix movies. Um, even the sequels I liked because they, they came out when I was thirteen, and you know, there's a lot of jumping and flying and you know, <laughs> like oh, cool yeah, music sure. and and flashing lights. I mean, of course, I'm gonna enjoy the Matrix movies. I love their Speed Racer adaptation, which is such an underrated movie. I think because it's so much fun, and it's one of those like when Blu-ray was coming out, it was one of those titles that you would have to get just to see the colors pop in high definition. Like it's insane. It still holds up in that regard too. Like if you watch, I hope they release a 4K of Speed Racer. Honestly, just to see like what that would look like in 4K, that just blow your mind. No, I really like that one. I I actually watched Jupiter Ascending recently, which was supposed to be another like attempt to like start up a new like original franchise, which it didn't get the best reviews, and so I was a bit skeptical in watching it. But I think I watched a Patrick Willems video, and he's also a big Wachowski fan, I believe. And so I, I decided, you know what, I'll, I'll finally check out Jupiter Ascending. It's not perfect, but it's highly imaginative, it's different, it's original, it's got lizard people, like, in trench coats. It's got Eddie Redmayne being really weird, but, like, in a entertaining, like, funny kind of way. Yeah, I, I I saw some reviews and they showed clips and it was just it just looks so out, out like outrageous in like the craziest <laughs> craziest way possible. Have you ever seen Cloud Atlas? I want to. Honestly, I've seen I've seen about 45 maybe 50% of it. I got up to the scene when um uh uh Tom Hanks was playing like this like disgruntled book publisher and like threw a guy off a balcony yeah okay like that that was up to this this point i think that was the only wachowski movie i watched beginning to end and i saw it in theaters and my little was my little story about cloud atlas so cloud atlas is infamously a huge was a huge flop when it came out. yeah and the it, I, it was around the time hurricane sandy hit we were out out of power for like almost two weeks basically mm-hmm. And the only area that we really, we really had that had power was our little strip and our local movie theater that was there. Not the AMC, but it was like a small movie theater. And we saw three movies that week. We saw Argo, we watched Flight, and we watched Cloud Atlas. You know what? That's I was I think I was actually in New York City that week too because I went to Comic Con. Oh, so, so that makes sense because there was a lot of like hurricane stuff going on around that time. So that makes sense. And I was just always appreciative of Cloud Atlas. Um, it has a lot of issues, but I was always appreciative of it. Like it allowed me to escape that reality for three hours, you know. Um, so the Wachowskis, thank you for that. Like seriously, did you like it ultimately? I did. Like, but it's one of those movies I'm so afraid to revisit because I don't know if my opinion will change. It might. Mm-hmm. It's my my. It's one of those things. It was like a like 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 a stroke of lightning kind of situation where it was like the perfect storm, literally because it's Hurricane Sandy. But yeah, um, you know, it it was it, it was a movie that I I I I know people have their thoughts on it, but it's a movie that I I won't really rail on because of those of those circumstances. So I'm always always and the music. The music in Cloud Atlas, I just want to add, is really good. I love the score a lot. From what I'd seen, I really liked the music. Um, and I know a friend of mine from college was, like, really, really into Cloud Atlas, when, especially when everyone else was just saying, like, oh, it was so confusing. I tried watching it once, but I don't know. I just kept thinking about all that other nonsense, so I just never bothered to finish it. But 
I started um I started watching it again recently because I just wanted to watch more of Wachowski's movies, especially after watching Jupiter Ascending. And so I still need to finish it because it's on Netflix. The other than that, I haven't seen I don't think I've seen any of the other ones. I because they did Bound, which I haven't seen, which they did before The Matrix, which has Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon, and I think it's uh, like they're they're playing a couple. It's like a like a romance movie. But I have seen some of the movies that they helped write or produce, like Be for Vendetta. They wrote the script for. I love that movie. It was a great movie. I think that's about it. Uh, I know they're doing. Actually, I was telling you this earlier. They're doing a fourth Matrix movie. And it's only half the Wachowskis doing it. Mm. So I think I think it's Lana doing it. Because I think Lily is doing a show. I forget what the show's called. But I know it's it's I, it's going to be interesting to see um, a, a Matrix from one half of Wachowski. But, you know, if two are great, I, I'm curious to see what one will be. I, I'm actually very curious about this. Because obviously, like, the Matrix was, like, such a big deal. At, at the time it's released and the sequels were very successful. So I'm wondering, like, it's almost like a, like an avatar two situation where I'm like, I wonder what they do next with like the technology and all that. So I'm actually very curious to, to check it out, especially, you know, cause I think they've gone on record as saying they hate like this whole like cycle of reboots and relaunches also. Cause they did the matrix movies. They did the first one in 99. They shot the second and third back to back. And released them both in 2003, like literally six months apart. That's nuts when you really think about it. Like six months, and like like that. That's the kind of stuff you hear. About, like with King Kong, like 1933, they put out the sequel. Like the first one was in like March or April, and then the sequel came out like winter winter of 1933. Oh wow! Yeah, that's insane. Mm-hmm. And and you don't like. Well, you don't hear about that process a lot anymore, especially like with the whole cinematic universe thing. You got, you know, this franchise being made and this franchise being made, but they just happen to be building towards the same thing, another Avengers movie or something. Mm. But like the only other time I can think about it was probably uh, when they shot all the Lord of the Rings movies at the same time. Pirates. Pirates. They did the sequels at the same time. And then back back to, was Back to the Future was like pretty close, right? Yeah. Like the sequels. I think so. I think they did. Well, because they had a trailer. They had a trailer for Back to the Future yes. 3. Yes, they did. At, yes, they at did. At the end of the second one. Yeah, so it, it, that's kind of a wild, um, it's a wild concept, honestly. But um, I'm glad <clears throat> I watched this movie very much. I'm glad you suggested this episode. Um, we're not done with the episode, obviously, but I'm just <laughs> glad in general because it was definitely one of those cinematic blind spots. And I can, even though it's not like my favorite movie, I can see why it became the cultural the cultural like phenomena that it became and deservedly so it's in the national film registry yes it is like that that's that's pretty great honestly so congrats congrats Wachowskis. good job you made you made literally they made like the modern classic it's it's so it's so influential like it's it's just kind of it's wow so anyhow we're going to um, not jump back into the Matrix because that just doesn't sound like a good idea, especially nah. what after Richard was kind of describing it as. <laughs> and uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to reserve a stay at the Continental. Stay tuned.
back! Welcome back! In our last segment of Two Dudes, One Double Feature, we talked about the crazy adventure that is the Matrix, you know, learning about our reality not being real and all that stuff. Now, we are going to a a very different uh, Keanu Reeves film, but in a lot of ways, a Keanu Reeves film that wouldn't exist without the Matrix. I am, of course, talking about the 2014 action extravaganza. Don't you dare make some noises. I see you getting ready for it. <laughs> I see you getting ready for it, sir. The 2014 action extravaganza. John Wick. Uh, don't, don't you do it. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> I won't this one this time. Uh, but you yeah. know what? You probably can because I I bullet timed you a bunch. You did, but I don't want it to be. Ex- You're a better person. <laughs> I try to be. I try to be. Uh, but yeah, John Wick. John Wick. All right. So this movie, right, was one of the biggest surprises of the last ten years as far as movies is concerned. Like, not to say that it's surprising to like see a good Keanu Reeves movie because it's not because he's made a lot of great movies but it's one of those movies that we didn't really see coming and it was just it did so many amazing things now it's probably similar to The Matrix one of the most influential action movies of all time there's so many movies nowadays when they do action scenes that mimic themselves after uh, what John Wick did like I think of even Birds of Prey which had even Chad Stahelski who directed uh, John Wick come on board to be a second unit director and also you know help with the stunts and everything. Like this movie came out of nowhere. Yeah. So with the with John Wick and with all the John Wick movies, I did not see them in theaters because the trailers just didn't appeal to me at that time. Mm-hmm. I just thought, okay, the the Matrix guy shoots people. Great. <laughs> I like how you referred to Keanu Reeves as the Matrix guy. I would have thought you would have referred to him as Jonathan Haka. Listen, I have a lot more credibility than that, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, I apologize if, if you felt like I was devaluing you. <laughs> it's, 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 all, it's all right. It's all right. But again, like uh, that's the other crazy thing with this movie, too, is that the basic premise... Is it might be the simplest story we've ever talked about on this show, as far as a movie. Honestly, yeah. Like, Hitman loses his wife and loses the last gift his wife gave him, a cute puppy, and he seeks vengeance. Basic, okay, general premise for John Wick. So, like Dude 2 was saying... John Wick is not just any hitman, though. He's, like, the greatest hitman to have ever hit men. Does that make sense? <laughs> but but, but uh, he's, like, the greatest um, assassin hitman. He's basically the greatest killing machine ever. You know, he has his own, like, precise fighting style. He completes impossible tasks. And... He's well known through this entire underground society of criminals and, you know, thieves and assassins and whatnot as, like, the greatest of the great. They call him Baba Yaga, which, you know, translates to the boogeyman. And, or as Joey likes to say, Baby Yoda. (laughs) I mean, 
Yeah. <laughs> so Grogu is actually uh, the greatest fighter in history, and we just haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> the Mandalorian is a John Wick prequel, and we just are just now learning this. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, he wants to get out of this life, which... You know, the the trope is, in, in any of these types of movies, you don't really get out of the life without getting out of life. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just, you know, say, all right, I'm done being a killer for you guys. I'll see you later. You know, peace out. Because um, if you do that, you'll, you'll get killed. You know too much. You've done too much. You You don't leave unless you're in a body bag wooden pine box cement shoes you know the whole gist of it um but john wick somehow was able to achieve this he was able to get out and have a happy life he got married he took his his wealth that he accumulated over time and bought a house and probably wanted to start a family um then his wife who was terminally ill passed away and so now you know, he has to grieve, but he doesn't have to grieve alone because his wife got him, like, as you were saying, a cute, adorable, precious little puppy. Her name was Daisy. Rest in peace, Daisy. <sighs> Freaking Theon Greyjoy. What a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Theon Greyjoy, playing a Russian dude, uh, has a thing for John Wick's car, and John Wick, quote unquote, you know, insults him. And uh, he goes to John, he follows John Wick to his house, steals his car, and kills his dog. And yeah, <laughs> basically, uh, Theon Greyjoy's father, who's like a big crime boss, as well as his entire organization, are now gonna fall because his son was a stupid, stupid piece of crap. <laughs> he made a, a, a poorly calculated move, and. Uh... And John Wick is going to force him to pay the price. And man, oh man. <laughs> this is expensive price. Goodness gracious. Very expensive. Um, it, it, needs, it needs to be said, like, this movie might be one of the coolest movies ever. Honestly, yeah. It just the, the the look of it like when when they're like i think about the scene where he's like he's going after theon uh, alfie allen's character <laughs> and, and they're at the, the, the nightclub and he's just like he's just like a he's just a machine like he's so pretty so precise in a in a lot of areas i mean he, you could tell that mm -hmm. he's a human being because he gets stabbed and beat up so it's not like he's f flawless in every moment but when he's like when he's like at tip-top shape man he's just like unstoppable and you're like oh my god like, you're just, just going through people. you can't you can't turn away like you're like i almost like i love that moment when he when he's in the red circle in that nightclub and and and, and theon he's just theon to me <laughs> theon Greyjoy sees him as he's like getting out of this his like pool or whatever and he's like got a guy down to the ground after just killing like two or three dudes and you just see the fear and it just shock and like just absolute terror in in uh, Theon Greyjoy's face, 
And uh, John Wick just stares him down, and he's got a gun pointed right at him. But instead of shooting him, he pulls it down and shoots the guy he's holding down. <laughs> he's like, don't think I won't do this to you. <laughs> like, and he's like, shit! <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> and he, like, oh my god, he's just running through this club in his towel. Like, oh no! And then John Wick's just like slowly going... I love that, like, slow shot when he's, like, in the club walking away from the DJ. And, uh, you know, he's just, like, staring down at him. And then, and then <laughs> Theon, he's just, the again, he's going to be Theon the whole episode to me. Uh, just, like, backing up and, like, tripping over people in his towel, like, trying to hold it up. Like, oh, God. Oh, God. Um, one thing I, I, re- I think that John Wick does very well, and this also goes into, like, the sequels and stuff. There's a whole, like, Hitman lore. Yes! Like, they're, like, enough to justify a John Wick, like, wiki, like, website. Which is nuts. <laughs> it totally is. I never would have expected that before seeing this movie. Like, I- I've seen this movie before with you. No! But, like, but I never expected that. Like, you have, like, the Continental. They have special money. They have special people you can call up for, like, a, di- a dinner reservation or whatever. To get like, to like get- all these codes and shit. Like, like, they have people like, yes, this is Wick. Yes, John Wick. I'd like to have a dinner reservation for 12. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, I love the bit when he just killed all those guys and the cop shows up at his door. It's like, evening, John. (laughs) Evening, Jimmy. (laughs) Of course the cop's name is Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Noise complaint. Noise complaint. You uh, working again? I just got a few things I got to take care of. Okay. Well, I'll leave you to it. <laughs> but it, it's it's one of the what I also really like. It, what I find is interesting too, is that there's a lot of movies where like the hero. A lot of times the hero is the underdog, right? And right, the hero is like against insurmountable odds, and you're you're just so worried. This is one of those rare ca- one of those cases where the main hero is in a non-superhero movie too where the main hero is unstoppable they the way they speak of john wick is, is like how you how you speak of like just like as they say like the boogeyman or like this is the guy that you send after to kill the boogeyman they're like oh my <laughs> god <laughs> i always i always love to like that bit when um when uh the the crime boss guy i forget his name when he calls uh, John Leguizamo, he's like, did you hit my kid? He's like, yeah. He's like, why the hell would you do that? Well, he, um, he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I even love like when, uh, when he's like, describing John Wick to his kid, to Theon. And then after he learns, he goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, like, the whole, like, the whole, like, world of john wick like you were saying is insane like even new york city in these movies it's probably one of my favorite new york cities because the way that it looks first off like it doesn't look like traditional new york city and i think they do that on purpose obviously they it's like heightened it sort sort of has somewhat of a heightened reality to it like the way that it's lit the the color schemes the 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 way that uh you know each location like they don't really film at a lot of like popular like you won't really see outside of like a skyline like the empire state building or the chrysler building you know it really feels like it's in the heart like in the in like 
the different areas of New York City that you're not so familiar with. So it maybe adds some somewhat of like a like a like a fantasy element to it, like a comic booky fantasy element to it, which is kind of exciting. But the the world of of the like the the hitmen and the assassins and like everyone involved. First off, it's so elegant. Like they have a they have like a five star hotel. They have like the nicest cars. <laughs> they have tailored suits. Like that's John Wick's battle outfit is a tailor made black suit. Like that's just cool. <laughs> like it's the most elegant thing. I even love in the sequel when they're like when he's like going when he's in Rome and he's getting like his gear all put on and uh like they're talking about the guns like it's like it's a full course meal or um he's like how would you like your suit made? Or like would you, would you like two two buttons or three buttons? Two. <laughs> how would you like the pants? Tapered. And the jacket? Tactical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it it is really it, it's actually really cool like how they're able to incorporate the lore into the movie too it, without it being like so overbearing and you mm -hmm. don't even need like a full understanding of it to like also just enjoy you just you get that basic idea okay the hitmen yeah they kill people but there's some sort of code that's out there that you got to sort of abide by like with um the the Miss Perkins character like she breaks she breaks the code she has to pay the price so you kind of are like all right that makes right. sense it it perfectly lays out like the rules and structures of the world itself and it it does it so simply because the story itself like we were saying is so simple you know, and, and, you know, I know some people sort of make fun of that too. Cause it's like, oh, you know, you killed his dog and then he went on a rampage, yada, yada, yada. But it's sort of the perfect plot for this kind of movie, because again, it's a very simple point A to point B plot of John Wick. You know, you screwed him over. Now he's going to kill you. And, you know, like that simple sort of revenge, like kind of action movie, but it's set in this lavish, beautiful, like intricate world that, they don't over explain. So you get to like be immersed in the whole thing. Like it's, it's sort of like it's a lot of what they do with this movie is basically them going, they don't do these types of movies. Right. So let's do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was also just like thinking about like other movies that I, that I've seen before. Um, and you can totally sort of see like the influence, like uh lay samurai is kind of one of them, like sort of just like the mood, of that and the way that you know the story is is play, things are things play out or um they were i was seeing like spaghetti westerns and it made me think of like once upon a time in the west where you have the character harmonica who doesn't speak very much um and you you get his story like sort of pieced out in flashbacks and like when you have the op a lot of the opening of the movie where you see like you know john wick reliving stuff with his wife and kind of that kind of stuff it very it very much made me think of like a Sergio Leone um Leone kind of thing I mean again it's one of those things I'm not that familiar with but I am like to some degree I I sort of have a uh, understanding of like westerns and I you know what in a lot of ways I didn't really think of it like that but it makes a lot of sense because he is like the lone almost like the lone gunman who has to take out who has to take out his adversary or in this case many 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 adversaries you know yeah um and it ultimately ends up with a, like a final showdown between him and and the crime boss 
who's Vigo. That's his name. I just remember Vigo. Vigo. Yeah. He's very Vigo good. Is his name. He's very good in this. He's movie. he's very good. He has a lot of those like cool, uh, like line. Like one of my favorite parts is when like uh, he he like traps John Wick, and you know John Wick escapes with uh, Will Defoe's help. And um, he comes out with a shotgun, and he just, like, wrecks the car and jumps on it and shoots his driver. And he starts going, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> or, like, I love when he's singing that, like, song about the Baba Yaga. There's just so many cool little moments with, with that character. But on that note, th- the cast in this movie. Yeah. There's a great, great cast in this movie i always forget willem defoe's in this movie (laughs) (laughs) i mean because the ones you think about the most especially with the sequels like obviously keanu reeves you think of ian mcshane who's a prominent character the 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 guy at the front desk who unfortunately his name's escaped me but he's amazing uh, lance um I had it on the tip of my tongue. Give me a second, because he deserve. He is probably like my favorite character in these movies. Lance Reddick. He is. He, <laughs> yes, is the actor. thank you, Lance Reddick. <laughs> He's amazing in these movies. He plays like the concierge at the Continental. Um, but he's also like I love that he actually gets like a fight scene or like like a like a gunfight scene in the third movie. Um, yeah, but I was actually thinking about this too, and it kind of ties in with the movie. I think it's char- like how how do you pronounce that Greek um, like underworld guy who takes you to the underworld? Um, is that Charon or is it? I think it's Charon because don't, that's I, I... his that's his name in the movie. Is it? Yeah, that's what I was, I was, I was looking at the page, oh. which makes sense. Like, they don't. I don't know if they really mention his name, or at least not to my knowledge. They, no, but I was looking at like the, the the page for it, and it's like it's Karen, and I'm like that that feels like a very deliberate like, okay, this is a guy who's sort of like your your boatman who will take you to where you need to go. Like, okay, this is your your pathway to the the under the crime underworld. Yeah, if you will. And Ian, Ian McShane would very much be Hades. Very much, but his name is Winston, so he's not exactly Hades. <laughs> Win- he's 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 Winstades. Winstades. Real life. Winstades. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying too hard. <laughs> no, but uh, no, he's very good in the movie, and like Ian McShane. Ian McShane's sort of this like like um, he's he's not like one of the major like people within this underground world but within his sector in new york city at because there's like different continental hotels uh i believe throughout the world like there's one in rome that's run by Django, not jamie fox but you know the original Django. yes yes franco nero franco nero yes were you, were you trying were you looking at your your I was because of- it was at the tip of my tongue, and I'm like, I I have like the flap for the Arrow Blu-ray right there. <laughs> so you know, but- what? It, it it worked out in this, so I so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, um, I like his part becomes bigger as the movie as the movies go go on, and I really like his presence in this movie. And he's an incredible, he's a really incredible presence on screen. I hate that he was wasted on both Game of Thrones and Pirates of the Caribbean. I will never forget give yes disney or hbo for that you fools and should we mention hellboy as well oh. should we throw that into the mix Oof. I'm so, I'm so sorry. you know how everybody like 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 keanu's like one of his weaker performances was in dracula like i love dracula but like it's one of his weaker performances and then you have mm. ian mcshane is in hellboy man what an embarrassing movie <laughs> 
how did how did you get Ian McShane, who was, you know, the dad from Hot Rod, and hysterical, and he just fights Andy Sandberg the whole time, to being Hellboy's dad, in a really bad movie. Listen, I, and again, I emphasize any, any bad movie we talk about. I'm glad people were paid like crewmen and stuff, but anyway, yes, yes. Moving on, moving on. Um, John Wick, uh, like the the whole the whole world is great. The cast is wild. I mean, Will, Willem Dafoe is really great in the in this movie. I mean, like it, it's just kind of like another like hitman dude who has a lot of respect for John Wick and helps him out. <laughs> like he's like his he's like one of his buddies. Like they're like super like he was he was like the one guy that went to his wife's funeral that we met. He, there might have been others at the beginning of the movie, but you don't see him because there's black umbrellas covering everybody. It's raining, but you see Willem Dafoe, so you know like they're close. Like they establish some kind of relationship there. Um, but you also have John Leguizamo. Yes, that's right. Who is another one of those sort of continuing pre- pre- uh, presence, though he's only in the second one for, like, one scene, and he doesn't show up in the third one. But uh, he's very much a central figure of everything. Another re- another character that showed up more than once is the Doctor, who's played by uh, the guy that plays the Keymaker, oddly enough, in the Matrix sequels. Oh, wow. <laughs> so... <laughs> Which, on that note, like like I was saying, if it wasn't for The Matrix, this movie wouldn't exist. Right. Because uh, Chad Stahelski, who, uh, directs, who directed all these movies, and I think co-directed this one with David Leach, uh, he, he's primarily known for his stunt work, and he uh, did all of The Matrix movies. Hmm. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, that's kind of wild. I think like he and Keanu have just wanted to work together again, and so they came up with this concept with uh, a couple of the writers and and people involved, and you know the rest is history. We got again one of the greatest new uh, action movies in you know recent memory. But and like I said, it's it became super influential on so many different movies. Like again, I think of Birds of Prey. Can you think of any any other movies that sort of has like adopted the John Wick kind of action style? Not off the top of my because you usually funny enough, I don't watch like straight up action that often. But I do like well, this may again we go back to this point of like this very simple plot done very well i think about something actually you know what i was thinking about that bob bob um you know better call saul was in that oh one, that nobody one, nobody and that made me think of john i never saw the movie but i imagine part of it was like okay imagine john wick but with the dad from little women <laughs> Hey! Hey! <laughs> Yo, I would see that. <laughs> I would if, that, if that's your pitch. Hell oh, yeah! You know what? Actually, I was thinking about the scene uh, in Avengers Endgame where with where we're introduced to Ronan. You know the Jer- Jeremy Renner's you know Hawkeye character. Yeah, Some that was of, very John Wick style. Especially the subtitle, the subtitles, like the really intricately done. Oh my god! Yeah, 
they're so oh that yeah that's a really good point actually i didn't even think of that can, can i ask a question about cherry real quick are there intricate titles <laughs> intricate <laughs> subtitles in cherry what does this have to do with john wick i don't want to relive this <laughs> And to answer your question, there are sort of intricate... There's actually chapters. There's like a prologue. There's part one. Part two. I don't even know why it's called Cherry. I think it's because one of the chapters is Cherry. I think I read somewhere the character's name is Cherry, but I don't think they actually say his name. Really? Yeah. Wild. There's no cherries in the movie at all. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Um, I don't want to have that conversation. No, neither, neither do I, but like, and like, again, like the matrix, it was able to spawn sequels and we're getting right. Are we getting another John wick at some point in the future? There. Yeah. That actually, um, before the pandemic hit, they were supposed to have John wick chapter four and the new matrix movie released the same day. Whoa. That is an apt reaction. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, how crazy would that have been? We would have had Double Dose of Keanu in, like, his two biggest franchises ever. That would have been, like, like that one time Ryan Reynolds was the lead in two movies, R.I.P.D. and that one DreamWorks snail movie. Oh, um, wait, no, I I can remember it. I got this. I'm not even going to look it up. It wasn't Speed. That's another Keanu movie. (laughs) (laughs) Turbo. Turbo. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's my job job. on this program is to remember uh, bad bad DreamWorks movies. (laughs) I haven't even seen it. Neither have I. I just came out around the same time as R.I.P.D. and Ryan Reynolds. Which was was terrible. Which was terrible. And Ryan Reynolds was in both. At least he did Deadpool. (laughs) He finally finally started. You know what? Good on you, Ryan Reynolds. Nothing of anything to do with this episode, but good on you. Man, but yeah. uh, So, you know, Keanu. Though, I will say, side note, speaking of Ryan Reynolds, David Leach, who co-directed John Wick, did do the sequel to Deadpool. Yes, that's right. I remember that now. So there is a John Wick connection. I think they even say at one point uh, from the director of one of the guys that killed John Wick's dog. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah. And what's cool about, about this movie, like, like too, is I don't, I don't feel like, like, like a lot of movies, people talk about like a character growth or a character arc. I don't really feel there's like necessarily a character arc for John Wick because he just wants he wants the same thing, he want he, he wants revenge, and he's just got to do it. It's like a man on a mission, but Keanu was so good at playing that. He's he's so good. Like we were we were talking about this when we were watching it too. Is that Keanu Reeves is one of those actors that fully commits and fully understands the movies that he's in. Like I was like I was thinking of a tweet that someone said about said the same thing about Uma Thurman like and that showed like images from like Pulp Fiction and Batman and Robin and like uh Kill Bill and some of the other movies she's done and I'm like that's a great point. You know, you always want to have one of those actors that like sees sees the script and is like and you and even if it's like something that's off kilter they just go, 
okay, I know what this movie I is. I know what to do. And instead of just going, instead of just going like, oh, I'm going to try something different. Like, no, I got this. I, I'm going to embrace this. Yeah, it's it, he definitely knows knows what he's he's doing with this part. But with, with, with both of these movies, and it was also cool too, because John Wick was also sort of like, the, I don't want to say revival of Keanu Reeves because that makes it sound like he was a has been, which he's not. But but it, it was sort of like because had Keanu done that much in between Matrix and John Wick, like Keanu, I feel like because like earlier on in like the the late early the late eighties early nineties, like he did you know the Bill and Ted movies, but then he also did. Uh, you know, Point Break and some of those other movies, and so he was like he he was becoming like a star, like like but not like in like a franchise sense, but in more of just like he was just doing these movies, and then The Matrix, I, to my knowledge, was probably one of his first big franchises that he'd ever done, and then I know he was doing like he started getting a lot of roles similar to like the Neo character, like I think of uh, his Constantine mm-hmm. movie that came out in two, I think two thousand ish which at, uh, in retrospect i actually think i like a lot more than i remember just because you know i think the big detractor was that it's an americanized version of like a british character right. but at least like for as americanized as it was it was still a fairly like accurate depiction of that character of john constantine but like between between those times like he, he mostly just worked with people that he liked like he probably was just really selective and he did a lot of like lower, like smaller budget movies, I think between then. But like John Wick was, I think his first big, like huge blockbuster esque success that he's had in a really long time. Not that he has ever stopped working, but that was like the first time, like I think people started looking at him. Again, yeah. I maybe. think that that was it because like, again, I'm, I'm, I was just trying to figure out like what, what his career was after, the matrix and it, it kind of just felt like john wick was like that revival the the revival of like right and that's how we come to know john wick like no keanu reeves now i feel like a big part of that is john wick it's like i i can imagine so many people of like younger generations will probably recognize him for those movies especially because it's not one of those movies that unless i i don't know what their plans are but it's not like, because there's three movies out now, and it's not like The Matrix where it's just a set trilogy, but now they're just happening to make another one. Whereas with John Wick, like, they can do chapter two, three, four. I'm just waiting for, like, when they're done making the movies for the box set that's called J- The Novel of John Wick or The Book of John Wick, you know? Like, that would just be cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, each movie's like a chapter. And so, between, and like, between John Wick installments, I think. Keanu Reeves still kind of just does like the same thing he was doing before, just making movies with people that he likes. Like, cause I know like other than that, like he obviously did the third Bill and Ted movie, which was a big uh, anticipated thing for a lot of fans, myself included. And just like a few smaller things. But for now, like I think what people will know him for most going into the future, at least, especially again, the younger generation um, will be John Wick. And you know what? I actually went to. I, I I didn't really have a lead in for this, but I did actually go to a really cool. Do you remember when they were doing the the John Wick like tour fan event thing? Yes. So uh, basically, uh, it was this. It was they were 
adver- they were doing like uh, a tour to uh, uh, to commemorate the release of Chapter Three Parabellum of the John Wick movies, and so they had this giant semi truck that had all these props from the movies, like the coins, the 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 packed little like thing where like you had the the bloody thumbprint oh, okay. in it. Some of the maps from Chapter Two, uh, the different, you know, I think uh, the the wife's necklace and the dog collar, um, like some of these other things, and of course they had uh, the motorcycle that John Wick rode in the second in the third movie, which you could actually ride and like they could like do a video and stuff, and they had John Wick's car, mm. the iconic you know John Wick car. Um, and so like you can get a picture with it and then you can like get a shirt and stuff. And so spur of the moment, like I had heard that it was that they were doing it about like an hour and a half away from me. And so I decided to go to go and, you know, check out the fan event. It was really cool. And it was a long line of people and they're all just standing around just checking out all the different like, uh, props and everything that in relation to John Wick and uh, obviously, I got a picture with the car. I might share that because I still have it on my phone. Um, and uh, it was a really cool experience. I did get a shirt out of it, but the shirt uh, was too small, so I've never mm. worn it. Because <laughs> I was like, "Do you guys have any like bigger shirts?" And like, we just ran out. And I'm like, "Dang it!" <laughs> I, but it was so cool to like. It was still cool to get the shirt, obviously, and still oh, have yeah. like, some kind of like. Oh thing. yeah, absolutely. I even got a pin, like a like a huge button that I wore on my my lanyard that I wear at work. And every time people saw it, they would go, "Is there a new John Wick coming out?" I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "Is that what it's called? Like World Tour or whatever?" I'm like, "No, this is just something else." I'm like, oh, okay. So that was the most interaction I ever got with that with that pin or whatever. <laughs> but it was crazy, like you know people have really resonated with these movies and really like there's so like people you don't really expect like my mom who she likes action movies but i don't really like see her watching these types of movies but she loves john wick my mom has seen all of them yeah like moms love john wick and that's awesome (laughs) like that's the biggest takeaway Moms love John. Remember that, folks. If there's anything you can remember from this from this episode of the podcast, it's that moms love John Wick. But yeah, I think I think what with this episode, we take we feature a star that we like very much, Keanu Reeves, and you. you, We we, I think we it's almost like the the Keanu best of this episode. Like you really just call this episode instead of John Wick enters the Matrix. Best of Keanu Reeves. Now that's what I call Keanu Reeves. Kids Bop. Keanu Reeves. No, uh, no. <laughs> well, oh, maybe no, 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 not Kids Bop. No, but no. Uh, you know, these these two two like you know, if you want to like say like okay, what will what will he be remembered for? The three things you probably say like obviously Bill and Ted, but also of course The Matrix and John Wick, and they they're like they're the, the, like those characters of Neo and John Wick have been you know have lasted as long as they, oh especially with Neo as long lasted long as they have a lot of that's Keanu you know and of course the filmmakers bringing those characters helping bring those characters to life and all that it, it, it just like yeah I don't know what to say about, about, about it good Keanu Keanu is just great <laughs> like he's like we were saying he's he's one of those guys that knows exactly the type of movie he's making he knows exactly 
the best way to collaborate with everybody on set. Um, he clearly loves everybody that he works with, um, whether it be the Wachowskis or Chad Stahelski or, you know, I still love like the, the video from Comic-Con at home last year uh, during some of the panels. And he would just list off all these different people that, you know, for us as moviegoers, we just see whiz by on a black screen in text of just like this list of people, you know, these, you know, amazing people on cast, like in the crew and everyone who helps make the movie possible. He knows all their names by heart. Like those are people he saw every day and he, he understands that, you know, they are a part of, uh, are, are a huge part of the process. I know everybody talks about like lead actors or like the auteur theory, but it really like he understands too. Like filmmaking is very much a collaborative thing. Like you need a lot of moving parts to do their job. Exactly. So, Keanu Reeves, folks, what are your favorite Keanu movies? Which which Matrix sequel is your favorite? I probably will never watch them, so I don't know. <laughs> I you know I'd. I would be curious what you think of the of the Matrix sequels on that note. I would be very curious. If you want to see me talk about the Matrix sequels, let us know. What are your favorite John... Which John Wick is your favorite? What ridiculous cast member from the John Wick movies is your favorite? And how much do you love Jonathan Harker? Just let us know that we're wrong. Carfax Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, fo- folks, we're going we're gonna to head off. Uh, to the Continental and uh, check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out to John and Kenny Armstrong. You both are great. Thank you for the music you make. And of course, a hint for next week's double feature. We are visiting a samurai in a modern gangster setting and a coming-of-age story set in the New Zealand bush. Stay tuned.